0: Today on Ag News Daily.
1: Take a moment in time and showcase the ongoing work that we're doing on behalf of, of America's dairy farm families.
0: Happy Friday, Ag News Daily listeners. We've got Delaney Howell on the call as well as Madison Honkamp and Mike Pearson for today's Friday episode. And Mike and I did an interview this morning with the CEO of Midwest Dairy. Because National Dairy Month starts tomorrow. Madison and Mike, you guys better support them and eat as much ice cream and milk and cheese as you possibly can.
2: Delaney, I tell you what, I am a step ahead of the curve (laughs) because I care so deeply for America's dairy farmers. Mm -hmm. I had ice cream for breakfast and Mm -hmm. I just had some delicious Casey's pizza, which is known for its cheesiness.
0: Yes, that's true. That's true.
2: Madison, what are you doing to make America's dairy stronger?
0: (laughs) Well, you know, I use milk in my coffee every morning, and I think we go through about two gallons a week at my house. So, yeah, my brother drinks at least a gallon a day. So, that's crazy. Good for
2: him. Is he drinking two percent whole milk? One percent? Surely he's not a skim Uh, drinker. Two percent. Good for him. Good for him. (laughs) Delaney drink him. No,
0: I've changed. I've changed. I drink 1% or 2% now.
2: Well, good for you. Good for you. We're we're working. We're getting you stepped up. It won't be too long. You'll be sucking down just whole fat buttermilk like it's going out of style. I can't
0: do whole milk or buttermilk, but I can do 2%. I don't taste that much of a difference. Whole milk, I really do. My
2: my little sister has put cream in her cereal for years. Mm -hmm.
0: Whole milk is just like too thick. Yeah, that's
2: how I feel too. No! No, no. (laughs) You people are so wrong, it's sad. Mm. What is wrong with the youth of today? It's good
0: in, like, coffee, but I can't drink it, just whole milk. It's good in, like, cooking. I would use it for cooking all the time. It's good in, like, Alfredo sauces or homemade ice cream, but drinking it straight, I can't do.
2: Oh, my gosh. What are we going to do with you two? (laughs) Uh, I'm going to put tariffs on you two until you start drinking whole milk. uh,
0: That's ironic because it sounds like President Trump is threatening to put another round of tariffs on Mexico.
2: Yes, and not threatening. I believe these are expected to go into place. Um, It is a 5% tariff, effective almost immediately, if not already in place today, that is going to be increased. Yes.
0: I think they don't go into effect until June 5th or June 6th. Oh,
2: yeah, 10th. you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Okay. You're right. Uh, but then they are going to increase until, quote, Mexico gets a handle on mm-hmm. illegal migrants crossing through that country into the U.S.
0: Yeah. So that puts kind of a monkey wrench into the whole USMCA agreement. We did see the administration kickstart the official process because there's a lot of hoops they have to jump through on the US side, as well as we also have to see it being, you know, finalized and implemented on Mexico and Canada's fronts. But the Trump administration is kickstarting it for the US specifically. Essentially, what they have to do is start a 30 day clock for Capitol Hill to come to some sort of agreement on implementing the legislation. Then, after that's done, we have another 30 days for the the White House to submit a bill to ratify that agreement, ratify what Congress suggests, and I think from there, I assume Congress will have to vote on it again, the President will have to sign off on it, so we're closer, I guess?
2: Yeah, we're closer from the U.S. front, but like you said... These tariffs going on to effect in Mexico will certainly make them rethink their decision to Mm -hmm. support it, which they had been fairly wholehearted supporters and working to change some of their uh, domestic legislation to accommodate it. But I'm guessing now that'll be put on hold.
0: I'm guessing you're right.
2: Um, we also had, just to circle back to the tariff news from this morning, Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley took to Twitter to uh, to, to really kind of lash out at President Trump. Uh, Senator Grassley is, of course, a Republican, one of the longest serving Republicans in the Senate, and he said this is a terrible use of, pre- it's an abuse of presidential tariff powers, and he is conflating two issues, immigration immigration and trade policy that are separate issues. And he was very, very disappointed to see this announcement from uh, President Trump.
0: Yeah, and I think that China issues another round of tariffs. I think they go into effect this weekend or next weekend. They
2: went into effect, in fact, at midnight Beijing time, which was earlier this morning, okay. I believe. All right. Um, just about $60 million, uh, excuse me, $60 billion on U.S. products going into China.
0: And it sounds like the USDA has accounted for that. They just released their latest predictions for agricultural exports for fiscal year 2019. And overall, they're showing we're still going to have a trade surplus in agricultural uh, exports, but it's going to be the lowest in quite some time. Going to see about an $8 billion surplus is what they're predicting right now and uh raising or excuse me dropping the latest export forecast to about 137 billion dollars which is down 3.2% from their February outlook it's largely due and i think this comes as no surprise because of the weaker soybean demand from china potentially weaker hog demand even with african swine fever they're saying and soybeans are really the driver this year china is expected expected to only import about $6.5 billion worth in goods. And usually they're somewhere about 17 to $24 billion.
2: Wow. So, yeah, we lost almost $10 billion. Yeah. And then the wild card is, of course, we know a lot of this is due to the tariffs being since they've been in effect a year now. Right. But we probably would have lost some export demand just because of, Delaney, you've talked about it all the time on the podcast, mm-hmm. the spread of African swine fever.
0: Yes. And I saw a report today, uh, I was reading through some market commentary that says North Korea has also had confirmed cases of ASF. Hmm.
2: Yeah, well, you know, it's North Korea, I guess. Huh. I'm glad they still have hogs in North Korea. I thought they were all eating shoes.
0: (laughs) That's nice. (laughs) I say that jokingly, but it's
2: also, you know, I'm glad they've still got hogs. It's really sad for that country that now they're going to (laughs)
0: die. That they're going to die because they don't have hogs
2: well the hogs are going to die because they have african swine fever
0: right okay it's a little i mean i don't here. think
2: I, I listeners if i'm wrong correct me i'm going off a sort of general knowledge here but i don't think north korea has a huge hog herd
0: no i wouldn't think so
2: they do have issues with famine quite frequently in that yes. country so i i imagine they have they've eaten their breeding stock in years past
0: i imagine you're probably correct mike
2: Well, Delaney, I tell you what, you know, tomorrow is June 1st. Am I right?
0: Yes. It's National Dairy
2: Month. You're right, of course. It is June 1st. You know what I'm very excited to do on June 1st of 2019?
0: Not a clue.
2: I am going to take my 78 Lincoln to a gas pump. Yes. One of the local convenience stores. And what?
0: I know what you're going to say.
2: What am I going to fuel up with?
0: You're going to fuel up with E15 because we saw it finally pass for year-round sales. Just in front of the deadline, Ab- of course.
2: Yeah, literally literally 12 hours or 15 hours in front of the deadline. Tonight at midnight, gas uh, gas pumps were supposed to quit selling E15 due to some reed vapor pressure issues. The uh, national corn growers and, and really every farm group has been pressuring EPA to change that and lift those restrictions. Today it was announced by the EPA that they are lifted. E15 is now cleared for year round sales in this country. The hope is that this will encourage more gas stations, more retailers to put in E15 pumps and, uh, you know, help us grind that ethanol demand a little bit higher.
0: Absolutely. Madison, we've been doing a lot of talking. Do you have any news? Um, I had the E15 being passed, which is kind of crazy because it is before the deadline, even though it's a couple not that far before the deadline. Um, But that was the main thing I had. Yeah, it's a big, big win for U.S. agriculture. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely.
2: It's a win. Um, Time will tell how big of win it could end up being, but it is a win and we are desperately desperately seeking wins Mm -hmm. in agriculture in 2019 Mm -hmm. so yes we'll take it
0: that we are it seems like one win we're getting though is definitely the commodity prices today we had a little bit of a pullback but i had some news and an update on the new assistance package program secretary purdue was apparently in pennsylvania on thursday and told reporters or really didn't tell reporters in this case that Prevent Plant Acres are completely off the table as being eligible for the new assistance package.
2: Oh. Oh, well, this is a big wild part.
0: It is. He said we're trying to be as opaque as possible, not trying to skew with the market. And he didn't say, he never um, explicitly said Prevent Plant Acres aren't on the table. And it sounds like reporters really tried to hound him to get some sort of answer on that point.
2: Wow. Okay. So I guess, you know, per our conversation with Scott Irwin last week, we just have to sit and wait until USDA issues clarifications on this thing.
0: Yeah, that's really, unfortunately, what it sounds like is going to happen is just wait. So I think that really, they're not kidding when they say whatever you should be doing or would be doing, that's what you should do this time of year.
2: But then... That just means people are going to get upset when they do announce these things. So and yeah. it could have been easily changed, you know, planting decisions. We could have made these decisions in time to better take advantage of the assistance package that we're not going to take. Yeah, mm.
0: I know it's frustrating. Uh,
2: quit with the tariffs. Quit with the government programs, Uncle Sam.
0: <laughs> the government isn't what you <laughs> called it the Let other the day. Let the market work. Yeah. Huh? The government. Government. Mm-hmm.
2: Government. With a B.
0: Yeah, nice.
2: That's how you say it. Okay. All right. Well, yes, uh, that is definitely some news. So we'll we'll continue to keep it on as we get updates on the MFP program 2.0. We'll be sure to share it with you guys, our listeners. And uh, I, I think we'll just have to continue to add clarity to this mm-hmm. thing as time goes along.
0: Mm-hmm. I just think it's very convenient that he said it just yesterday and it's like okay now we're really starting to hit the wall of when guys have to decide or gals have to decide are they going to take prevent plant are they going to try and force a crop in later i mean i think today is iowa's insurance date
2: i think you're right
0: yeah at least for corn acres right so who knows what's going to happen on that front but
2: huh well Corn prices didn't do a whole lot to uh, encourage guys to get more acres in the ground today, but neither did soybeans. Madison, if you're out of news, and Delaney, if you're out of news, (laughs) what do you say? Should we talk markets?
0: I do have one other quick update. Um, I thought this was an interesting article I read this morning on Politico talking about why Senator Chip Roy, who is that freshman senator who held up the disaster aid package – decided to essentially hold it up. He was apparently on his way back home because, of course, they were heading into recess, got a call or heard that they were trying to force this through on a voice vote and canceled his flight and headed back to the Capitol. He said he's gotten an enormous amount of support recently from his district, people writing in, emails, text messages. He essentially, the reasoning behind it is, he said if you're objecting to the disaster... He knows he's going to be tarred and feathered, and people will call him evil, but he wanted lawmakers to vote on the record, and he said when they hear things like this that happen without members here to vote, it's part of what earns this city the reputation as the swamp, and also said that it was important that that they all should be able to have some sort of discussion instead of just forcing this through. That was kind of his reasoning on all of it. So, uh, you You know, know.
2: the the person in me who at one point wanted to be a high school civics teacher really respects that. (sighs) Mm -hmm. I think he's exactly right. I think we do need to have more votes on the record. Get these Congress critters to actually put their names on the line and stand behind things they they support or don't support. But at the same time, man, pick a different bill, you know, to make your stand. Yeah, there are people out here hurting.
0: I know. And I think he yeah. realizes that, but,
2: yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there's always going to be somebody hurt by, by legislation, I suppose. Right. All right. Well, we'll continue to keep an eye on that. They resume, what, first week in um, June,
0: Delaney? I think they come back. So this week is the first week in June. Yes. And I think they come back a couple of days after that, either end of okay. next week or the following week.
2: Okay, so they get like a week's break. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll keep track on that 19 billion dollar disaster aid program once uh, once the house is back in session.
0: That we will. All
2: right. Well, let's jump into the markets here before we get to our conversation with Lucas Lynch. And our markets are brought to us by our great friends at the Zaner Group. Folks, we continue to see volatility. We're up big one day, we're down big the next. That can create great opportunities if you're managing your risks correctly. Do that with help from our friends at the Zaner Group. Give them a shout at 312-277-0050 or visit them on the web at Zaner, Z-A-N-E-R dot com and tell them you heard it on Ag News Daily. Well, it is red pretty much across the board today. Green uh, Grains and meats, there is little green to be seen. In the corn market, July was down nine and. A quarter at four twenty seven even the December was down eight and a half cents closed at four forty three and three quarters soybeans took it on the chin with the July contract down eleven and a quarter at eight seventy seven and three quarters November new crop down ten and three quarters to finish the day at nine o four and three quarters in Chicago wheat the July was off eleven and a half cents finished at five o three even September down twelve and a half cents. Finished the day at 509 and three quarters. Jumping over to the world of livestock, we did not see any strength provided by this weakness in the grain markets. Live cattle, feeder cattle, and lean hogs all lower on the day. June live cattle down $1.60 dollar sixty at 108.4750. The August down at dollar ninety seven and a half, finished at 103.0750 and feeder cattle big losers trading on expanded limits after yesterday's limit down move the august contract was down $5.10 to close at 133.1250 the september down 4.45 to finish at 134.0750 and in lean hogs the june contract was down a $1.95 closed at 81.72 and a half the july also down a $1.95 to finish the day at 85.9250 As we kick off National Dairy Month, let's see what happened in the dairy market. We got a little bit of a tailwind today. Really, the only green in the markets today is in class three milk. The June contract was up two cents at 1620, with the July also up two cents to close at 1662. Without further ado, let's build on this excitement in the dairy industry by talking to Lucas Lynch, the CEO of Midwest Dairy. Well, folks, tomorrow begins the month of June, which, of course, is National Dairy Month. To help us kick things off here on the podcast, we are joined by the CEO of Midwest Dairy, Mr. Lucas Lynch. Lucas, how are you doing today?
1: Hey, Mike. I'm doing great.
2: Uh, Glad to be with you. Now, bring us up to speed for our listeners who are outside the dairy industry. Maybe they've never heard of Midwest Dairy. What is it you guys do and who do you represent?
1: Sure. Well, Midwest Dairy is the promotion, research, and education arm that works on behalf of Midwest Dairy Farm Families. There's about 7,000 farm families across 10 states, but really we're part of the dairy promotion system or dairy checkoff system that's nationwide. And so there are states and regions like Midwest Dairy all across the country, and we're part of Dairy Management Incorporated, our national office of dairy promotion, research, and education.
0: So we kick off... National Dairy Month tomorrow, and we have National Beef Month and National Dairy Month, but what is the reasoning behind having these dedicated months to celebrate the dairy industry?
1: You know, it's really just a great opportunity to take a moment in time and showcase the ongoing work that we're doing on behalf of of America's dairy farm families uh, working with today's consumers. And and this year, National Dairy Month, uh, we are really focusing in on on the food insecure and and how uh, our farm families are supporting the very mechanisms that bring food insecure families access to the robust profile of dairy nutrition. And there's nothing more valuable to a family in need than a gallon of milk or that, that uh, wonderful cheese or yogurt or that they might need access to. And, and we know they call it liquid gold within the food pantry Because one out of five Americans, and we all know somebody, whether we realize it or not, somebody that's in our lives is food insecure. And this year's uh, National Dairy Month is really focused in on the work that we do uh, to bring home dairy goodness to our families in need.
0: And Lucas, when you say food insecure, just to clarify, are you saying folks that don't have access to food or can't afford those goods?
1: Sure. Well, it, and it really is, it can be food deserts where they may not have access to the food. Uh, There can also be a situation where just financially there's just, there's more month at the end of the money, so to speak. Um, And as a result, uh, there's just not enough food in in the grocery store or a correction in the, in the uh, refrigerator at home. And those food insecure families um, go to a food pantry, go to a place to receive the donation and the gift of food. And again, one in five American families are food insecure, and uh, the need is high. And what's great is that dairy is uniquely positioned to fill that, that institutional need that's across the country. Well, Lucas, let's talk a little bit
2: about how America's dairy families are helping address this food insecurity. Is it mainly coming through donations of cooperatives and processors? How, how does this need get filled, especially as we talk about National Dairy Month?
1: You know, there's a there's a couple of different models out there. Um, one in particular is the milk to my plate program, and it's really a direct purchase model where the processor who who um, uh, has the milk and is able to uh, contract with a food pantry who has raised the dollars to direct purchase that milk. And where Midwest Dairy comes into play is we issue grants uh, to those food pantries to ensure they have the refrigeration assets in order to take custody of that cold chain of, of a dairy product. So that would be one way. And again, that's called milk to my plate. Another one is give a gallon, uh, you know, tremendous programs out there where uh, give a gallon is where consumers can engage and, and provide dairy nutrition to neighbors in need basically. And so that give a gallon program really gives, uh, consumers a chance to engage in that space. And one that I'm particularly proud of is pints to gallons, uh, we've seen this in Nebraska uh guys there are five Nebraska schools where basically kids have taken pints home basically cardboard uh, uh corrugated pints and filled them with spare change and in five schools in the state of Nebraska they raised 11,000 dollars basically to to give to families in need for the for the purchase of dairy products and so uh, it's there's many different ways for consumers and and others to engage in this space Uh, But uh, National Dairy Month is a chance for us to really highlight those programs.
0: Absolutely. It looks like you guys are going to do a great lineup of events over the month of June here. But I want to ask from a dairy producer's perspective, they've also been having, you know, a pretty challenging time. Hopefully none of them are food insecure, but they've definitely been feeling the effects of market fundamentals and trade and low commodity prices. What are you doing this year to help boost the spirits of the dairy industry also?
1: Well, clearly uh, the dairy farmers have been carrying their more than their fair share of, of the load when it comes to the pressures on, on agriculture, especially now coming really into our fourth and fifth year of it. Uh, I Right off the bat, we know that the most important thing that we can be doing for our farmers is making sure consumers continue to have access to innovative and uh, creative new products that are resonating with today's consumers. There's so many imitation products out there right now and the messaging around dairy and dairy nutrition couldn't be more important because in a, in an environment where free from claims, um, fear based marketing has really eroded consumer confidence, dairy has to hold the, the position of being on the high road that everybody is trying to attack and replicate. I mean, you can, you can turn on television and see everybody trying to be like dairy. And the reason is, is farmers have paid for and earned that halo of of high-profile nutrition. That's why everybody's trying to be like us. If imitation is the greatest form of flattery, it's coming at us every day. And so what we need to be doing to ensure market access for our, our farmers is, yes, there's the international work of U.S. Dairy Export Council, but there's also the work that we do each and every day around undeniably dairy, working with and through the retailers that face consumers, making sure that they have um, a dairy case that is properly stocked with the demands of today's consumers and not over-indexing shelf space to the alternatives and being out of stock on whole milk. And so there's a lot of things that we're doing that are in the, the mechanics, if you will, of making sure consumers have an excellent dairy experience, but making sure they have access to, to a diverse and really, really well-positioned um, uh, dairy uh, portfolio that's being produced today by today's processors.
2: Well, and then, Lucas, I want to kind of follow up on that just a little bit. When we think about what today's consumer demands, you know, we've talked on this podcast. Of course, we've heard it in the industry. Overall demand for fluid milk has been on the decline in this country for a little while. But we do see consumers continuously turning to dairy for ice cream, for cheeses, in particular for yogurt. What are some of the hot products today as you kick off the month of June that consumers are really gravitating towards?
1: Yeah, well, one of the great ones, uh, and I think it's just an incredibly important bright spot, although fluid milk, as you said, has had really a 40-year decline, there is no question that whole milk is back. And what I mean by that is it is growing month over month faster than the entire alternative beverage uh, ah. category combined. It's amazing. Uh, and the fact is is that milk fat is back It in all the diet fads. Dairy is uniquely positioned to be a great uh, partner in, in maintaining the satiety of, of a whole milk product, especially when we're dealing with our young people, especially with a, a child that's growing in those early years of development. Milk fat is key, and that's why I think whole milk is absolutely back on the radar of today's consumers. But I also think that uh, as a population, here's one for you. You know, we eat as Americans about 36 pounds of cheese a year. I know that sounds like a lot. And you might think are we that must be we must be getting close to being tapped out. Well, if you go to Europe, um, they are they actually consume over 70 pounds of cheese per person per year. So uh, yeah, so I mean, the, the reality is, is that there's lots of opportunity to fill not only our US growing demand, but also internationally. And as we look at these Asian markets, you know, when one Chinese family eats a pizza, uh, one out of every 45 days, and there's one, you know, 1. 1.4 billion, guess what happens if you get that to be one in 30 days they're having a pizza? That's a whole lot more pizza cheese going into into China. So that's why that market access is so vitally important to, to our producers.
0: Absolutely. So Lucas, let's chat about a couple of the big events that you guys have coming up over the month of June. I know you sent out uh, quite a list of of different events happening and things you're working on besides the food insecure thing. Will you share some of those with us and our listeners? Sure.
1: Well, actually uh, kicking off here on June 1st, um, we're partnering as Midwest Dairy with Deerberg's Markets and really on Operation Food Search in St. Louis. Uh, It's going to be a great program where uh, we help to reduce the risk of children going undernourished during the summer months by really driving dairy donations uh that'll kick off with the real love convoy uh at the Deerberg markets uh on June 1st and it's going to be um, just a fantastic opportunity for the undeniably dairy truck to really carry the conversation so when consumers go into the Depere's uh location in St. Louis they'll be able to uh really enjoy that real love convoy and be able to see how they can give uh give forward to Supporting those children during the summer months. Uh, another one that's coming up, if you go over to South Dakota, Doug Odie, uh, just a great guy, Royalwood Farms, and Greg Mose of Modak Dairy. They're going to be hosting open houses but collecting donations at each event for Feeding South Dakota. So, dairy farmers hosting on farm breakfasts where consumers can come and learn more about on farm production practices but also turn around. And give it forward or pay it forward to the uh, food insecure. Uh, and then, lastly, one just a, uh, if, if you're a football fan, of course, uh, you get into the Illinois marketplace or across the country. Here, there's a lot of Chicago Bears fans, and this year in particular, uh, they're celebrating their hundredth anniversary. Hard to believe, uh, Chicago Bears 100th anniversary, and uh, they have their uh, Fantennial going on June 8th through the 9th. And so, that's a lot of uh, football fans but also a consumer rich environment like the chicago marketplace that we're getting access to face those consumers and, and talk about dairy and dairy nutrition
2: that is fantastic and of course just a week ago we saw some great promotion of dairy at the end of the indianapolis 500 <laughs>
1: yeah. i tell you what they do it really well uh, in indianapolis uh, Good friends over there, the dairy farmers of, of Indiana can be really proud of their tradition of the Indianapolis 500. Uh, I don't know that you could have much better milk imagery or quotes from a, from a driver like you do, but that's what they do every year. And it started because a driver way back in the 1930s requested a glass of buttermilk um, <laughs> and it has been a tradition ever since.
0: That's neat.
2: Well, milk is a, and especially whole milk, Delaney. Yes. I don't know if you caught it when Lucas said I that whole milk it. demand yes. has been skyrocketing. Fat is back yeah. in
1: style. It is good for you. It fills you up, and it's just a great way to refresh. Absolutely, yeah, and you know what? You got to remember to talk about that stuff because, uh, you know, if we if we if we think we're always in a spot where the market's slipping out from underneath us, we got to remember we, we've held the high ground for a long time we don't need to give it up in fact the best thing that we can do for ourselves is grow innovate and become the competition be better because we are dairy we are agriculture and we can do this and i'm very proud to represent the farm families that are investing in this work and are a part of this uh, country's
0: food chain awesome lucas i couldn't have said it better myself thank you so much for sharing about National Dairy Month with our listeners. And if they have any questions or want to check out those events again, where can they go to find those out?
1: You, know, you can always come to midwestdairy.com. you got dairygood.org as well. And Milk to My Plate uh, is another great um, an opportunity. To, as you search up those words, Milk to My Plate, or Give a Gallon, um, you can see the coordination from the milk processors nationally to the farmers locally.
0: Awesome. Well, Lucas, again, a big thank you. I'm excited to celebrate national dairy month myself.
1: Thank you. Hey, raise a glass uh, and let's celebrate our farmers. Uh, They, they're, they're the unsung heroes of all of this. And we thank them for what they do.
2: Well, there we've got it folks. Lots of reasons to be excited about dairy. You can never go wrong with cheeses, with yogurts, with fluid milk, which we all need to do our part and drink a lot more of, or of course, with my personal favorite ice cream mine too madison
0: oh yeah of course
2: okay all right good just want to double check want to make sure you know <laughs> we like having you on the team but if you are not an ice cream fan we might have to uh, revisit.
0: <laughs> yeah ice cream and steak those are really my two deal breakers like in a significant other and a friend oh if you don't like those two things i'm not sure we're the best fit that's kind of true, yeah. I feel like that's how it is for me, too. Mike?
2: Which two things?
0: Ice cream and steak. Those are deal-breakers. Mean- they have to like those two things.
2: Oh, oh, yes. I thought you were trying to figure out where you would fit them. Obviously, you'd have the steak first, followed up with the middle. Biblical-
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> Obviously.
2: Right, because that's what we do.
0: Right. I know. But I'm saying if if somebody didn't like those two things, I really I, I'd have to second think about either dating them or or being their friend.
2: Oh, they'd be dead to me. And I would call <laughs> you know, the CIA on them because they are probably terrorists.
0: Well, I'm sure that none of our Agnes Daily listeners are are non ice cream or steak fans.
2: I don't know. Maybe we've got some listeners over there in the Taliban. Oh, geez. That are, You know, who knows?
0: Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. We're happy to have
2: all of their downloads, but we're not going to hang out with non-steak, non-ice cream eaters.
0: (laughs) Yeah, probably not. But we can hang out with them anytime on social media. Don't tell us if you're not an ice cream or steak eater, but we'll interact with you just the same. You can hit us up on Facebook and on Twitter at AgNewsDaily, or you can listen to any of our past episodes. Head to agnewsdaily.com is probably the easiest way to do that. Just bookmark that gets you to our new site there at global ag network madison mike with that should we let the people go let's let them go let them go